Greetings to everyone joining us for a new episode of the European Hoops podcast. We cover the EuroLeague and the top few events. I am André and with me our basketball expert, Dio Volent. Hi André, hi guys. Hope everything is okay with y'all. We are here for another episode of the European Hoops podcast. Hopefully you guys stay with us and tune in for the rest of our episodes. André, let us know, man, what are we talking about today? On today's episode, we will be bringing you the recap of round 14 of the EuroLeague. You guys heard us last week in our new schedule with five episodes on the last week. We thank everybody for the very positive feedback that we have received. Everybody seemed to have enjoyed our EuroLeague talk special episode. You will have more of those because of the EuroLeague schedule and the holidays, how the, the weeks will break. We won't have EuroLeague talks until the second week of January, but stay tuned because we will be bringing you more of it. This week, instead of a EuroLeague talk episode, we will have two previews, one of each hand of this uh, double header week. On the, our EuroLeague picks and links, we had a very positive start. Our picks from our experts about the winners of each game, our expert Dio Valent went 6-3 and three, and Tiago Dyer went 5-4 and four in a week with uh, some surprises and we will be getting to those on this episode where we will recap this round 14. And also our leans, according to the market prices, went 3 and 1 for these uh, first two episodes of our picks and leans. What represents a start with plus 1.76 units for the ones that are tracking and following it. Our goal with this is just to bring you more content about the EuroLeague. And we had many of you asking for it and for this type of content, so that's why we are producing it and bringing it to you. But let's then look into the recap of this round 14. And let's start with the game between Red Star and Alba. It was a home game for Red Star and we know how well they have been performing on those situations. This time around they did it again. They won 85-71. to This was a game where Red Star was red hot from 3. They shot 13 out of 29, shooting 44.8% from behind the arc. And we know how good they can be when their 3-point shot is falling. And how well they have been shooting at home. The game MVP was Nemanja Nedovic with 20 points, 1 rebound, 5 assists and 1 steal. He shot 4 of 7 from 3, while Rokas Giedraitis shot 3 of 4 from 3. Also, Dalinovac shot 3 of 4, Teodosic 2 of 3. It was a red hot night for the Red Star team across the board. Red Star gets hot from 3. Could this be the headline for this game? <laughs> Uh, well, I think any home game for Red Star is a sign that they're going to shoot the ball well from three. Uh, that's what they've been doing all year. Uh, they are 5-2 and two at home and they're 0-7 on the road. So they just got to start doing what they do at home on the road because you got to win road games. But as far as this matchup goes, I think they did a great job in the first three quarters just showing that they are the better team. Uh, Nedovic was great with 20 points and 5 assists. And then they had a lot of contributions off the bench like Gidraitis coming off the bench scoring 19. Uh, Teodosic coming off the bench and do what he what he has been doing for like 20 years maybe uh, so they were very good in, in this one the, again the three point shooting difference was just too much I mean when you score 13 threes and the other team scores six obviously that's gonna that's gonna have a big impact on the final score uh, they won the rebounding battle too they forced 19 turnovers and we know this Alba team uh, very young very inex- inexperienced so it was very good for Red Star to, to be aggressive on, on defense because a lot of the guys on Alba are not used to, to this type of pressure and especially playing on a, on a, an arena like Red Star and with that crowd. So it was a very good job by Red Star to stay aggressive and to, to try to force turnovers because 
if you turn the ball, the ball over 19 times, it's going to be very hard to win a game here, especially on the road and when you're not the favorite. So uh, a lot of credit goes to Red Star and the way they play defense. Uh, we talk about how consistent they need to be to win games, and this was an example of that. They they really made it hard on Alba, and they come up with a double-digit win, uh, which should be their goal uh, when they are the favorites like this. So it's a very good win for them, but uh, I need to see them do this on the road. Like it, It's fine to, to get these wins at home. You're supposed to get them, but to be 0-7 on the road is just not acceptable, and they have the talent to, to do much better than that. So I'm hoping they can turn it around. Let's see if this can be a win that motivates Red Star to improve and to keep playing at a higher level, uh, game after game, during this edition of the EuroLeague. They certainly want to climb those standings and to play even better and to perform even better. Next, let's look at another uh, Serbian win on this round 14. An important road win for Partizan that was able to go to Kaunas and beat Chalgiris 85-93. A game where... PJ Dodger was the, the game MVP. He ended the game with 16 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals and 1 block in uh, 33 minutes played. And it was, uh, like I said before, an important win for the Partizan that was able to impose themselves in the first half of this game with impressive 58 points, an advantage that they had at half time of 58 to 44 that that Jalgiris wasn't able to come back and uh, wasn't able to, to win the game. Points of turnovers was one of the big advantages for Partizan on this game where they outscored Jalgiris 23 to 6. I would say that uh, Sumner still seemed to need to find his rhythm in the EuroLeague. We know it can take some time. But Partizan seems to have found it. Yeah, for sure Partizan uh, has found their rhythm. I mean, obviously, they're coming off a great stretch now, uh, winning a couple games in a row. And uh, about this game against Algeria, I mean, of course, uh, I think Edmund Summer uh, needs some time. It's always hard to to come into a new competition with different rules than the NBA, of course. And uh, as a scorer, it's going to take time for him to get used to, to the team, to the rules, to the competition. So this is normal. I, I'm not worried about uh, Summer's production so far. Uh, I think he's going to be just fine. Um, but about this game, I mean, we talked about this. Partizan was just a bad matchup for Zalgiris in terms of like the physicality that they have uh, inside with guys like Caboclo and Lede. And the game started that way. I mean, Partizan was just feasting in the paint and Zalgiris didn't have enough size or weight to, to get stops inside. Uh, it was basically like layup lines during the first quarter. Uh, when Dimsa came off the bench for Zalgiris, he, he gave them a nice boost and, and he helped them back in the game after a, a disastrous start. But then when you have Kevin Bonner on the other side, I mean, he, he seems like a, a great solution for every partisan's early season issues. Uh, this team, I mean, I think they are really, really good at full strength. And obviously, they're still not at full strength. Uh, Kaminsky, Avramovic, uh, those are guys that still miss the game. But they, they are on the way up for sure. Uh, in the first quarter, they started dominating inside. Then in the second quarter, when Zalgiri started to collapse the paint on drives and on post-ups, starting to close that paint to not allow layups and easy shots and that just freed up the shooters for Partizan and they had a couple guys hit some shots uh, then in the second half Zagiris came with a different energy they they played very good defense and they shot the hell out of the ball with Keenan Evans and Roland Smith leading the way per usual um, but then uh, Partizan they called the timeout and when they came out of the timeout like they had a great response like 
they immediately went on a run again, got the lead back to double digits. And this is what great teams do. Like, okay, the other team can have a run, but once we stop it and we, we go to the timeout, we talk it out a little bit, we got to respond, right? And, and that's what Partizan did. Uh, they shot more than 20 free throws. So that was just what it showed. Like, Zalgiris couldn't really guard the paint. And Partizan did a good job exploring that. And in the fourth quarter, it was all about Partizan just staying consistent and not allowing a Zalgiris comeback. I think Keenan was great, but he needed Edmund Sumner and Ulanovas to perform at a much higher level, especially as far as scoring goes. Uh, but I think this was a, a great road win for Partizan. Uh, I believe the, the biggest key was they, the way Partizan played the pick and roll offensively, uh, just using the roller as a passer because they were trapping in the pick and roll a lot of the times. So guys like Lede and Caboclo with a short roll and then just getting easy layups or hitting it to open shooters in the wing. Uh, I think Partizan did a great job offensively. So this was obviously a great win for them. And I still expect them to, to keep going and climbing the standings because they are a very talented team. And I, I believe they're one of the contenders for this season of the EuroLeague. Yeah, you know that I also believe that Partizan will be in contention to be in the Final Four and fighting for this edition of the EuroLeague. They have an excellent roster and they're staying, starting to play such. Let's move to the next game. And this game would always be a tough road game for FS. And they lost against Maccabi 95-86 in a game where Bonzi Colson came out as their game MVP with 90 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists and 1 steal. And I wonder where you have heard it that this was a game for Bonzi Colson to shine. But uh, let's look at the advantages of, uh, of uh, Maccabi on this game. They beated Ephes in fast break points, 17-10. to And despite... Ephes uh, haven't done the most that they could off of turnover points where they outscored Maccabi 21-11. to It wasn't enough in this night where Maccabi was able to conquer this win and despite a strong second quarter of Ephes where they outscored Maccabi 16-28 to what led them to lead at halftime by 3 points, 45-48. to Maccabi came into the second half as they came into the game and they were able to build this um, nine-point lead that uh, they ended the game with in a night where Maccabi shot very well from three, 12 out of 25, shooting 48% from three. That's always a good indicator of uh, the performance of a team, and in this night it helped them to, to be able to secure and to conquer this uh, victory over FS. You called it. How important was Bozzi Colson for Maccabi in this game? Yeah, I mean, we know how important Bonzi can be for, for this Maccabi team. Uh, obviously, they have uh, two lead guys in Wade Baldwin and Lorenzo. But we talked about before the season, they need a third guy to be like a, a consistent scorer and a guy who can really step up if one of those two main guys has an off night. And that's what happened in this game. Wade Baldwin didn't really have a good game scoring the ball. Uh, he was still helpful for the team as far as playmaking and facilitating for other guys. But having Bonzi Colson step up and score 19 points is very important for this Maccabi team. And he, he has been great this season, for sure. Uh, he stepped up from last year, he, where he was good, too. Don't, don't get me wrong. But uh, I think the job that he's doing this season is uh, very impressive. And uh, I think Maccabi fans sh should be very happy for the way he's performing. Um, as far as this matchup specifically, I mean, FH did lose. But uh, I'm loving this team's approach to every game lately. They are truly embracing the run-and-gun style, as they should, considering they have two elite playmakers in Shane Larkin and Darius Thompson, 
I really believe their only chance of competing right now with all the injuries that they have and just trying to win games is to try to outscore people and shoot a lot of threes, like we talked about before. Uh, you live by the three, you die by the three. And they lost this one, but I think they're going to have great chances of, of winning games and competing against good teams if they keep playing like this going forward. For Maccabi, obviously, a great win against a direct opponent. And having Lorenzo play at this level, and again, Wade didn't have a great scoring night, but he helped facilitate a little bit, and then Bozzi Colson was amazing. So Maccabi had a very good game as far as rim protection too, and I think that was very important to get the advantage in the second half that they needed to, to close out the game. Uh, I just think Maccabi needs to do a better job taking care of the ball. And a lot of that goes to Wade Baldwin because we know how great he is, but we also know sometimes his decision-making, especially in the clutch, is a bit iffy. But uh, if they can take care of the ball, I really believe they're going to be a force to be reckoned with this season because I think they have all the pieces that they need. They they reinforce their inside game. like They have a lot of options inside. They have some good wings with Antonius Cleveland coming in as well. Colson playing at this level, uh, I think Maccabi is a very good uh, team in the EuroLeague and they have a chance to, to go to the playoffs and to maybe upset somebody. So this is a great win, obviously. Uh, FS with all the, re- the injuries, so it, it was a matchup for Maccabi to explore that. But I, I believe both these teams are, are going to keep playing good basketball and keep winning games because they are both elite. So this was a great win by Maccabi and I'm very excited to see what goes forward for these both these teams. Next on the docket, we have the game between Basconia and Virtus. A very important road win for Virtus that was able to beat Basconia on their home court 81-91. to We had, or at least I give to co-MVPs for this game, one for Marco Bellinelli and another for Toko Shengelia. Who else? We know it. Shengelia ended the game with 16 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 steal and 1 block with 20 PR and the plus 12, but Marco Bellinelli was particularly impressive on this game. He ended the game with a plus minus of plus 20 while scoring 27 points. Uh, grabbing one rebound, but shooting six of nine from two and four of eight from uh, from three, and being perfect from the line where he went three of three. This was a old school impressive performance by Marco Bellinelli on a game where Virtus was able to impose themselves against Basconium and conquer a very very important uh, victory over a Basconium team that played well. They just weren't able to to play well enough to beat this uh, Virtus that is truly a machine of playing basketball. But uh, with them scoring 49 second half points against uh, Basconium, did this uh, give you flashbacks of Basconia struggling to be consistent defensively? Virtus is amazing, man. Like, I really did not see this coming before the season. Uh, but yeah, Coach Benke, I, I guess you can never count him out. And even in a competition like this, where there are so many teams who are considered to be better than Virtus, but still, they, they are standing strong, uh, sitting at third place, tied for second, uh, at 10-4, and four, and, and this was just another great win. Uh, I thought Basconia was going to be able to pull this out at home, uh, just because it, it's such similar styles between both of these teams, uh, but I guess Moneki and Serekerskis couldn't really do much about Shengelia, because he, he still had a very good game, and then Bellinelli, like... Uh, I asked you a couple episodes ago if... Uh, I, I didn't ask you. I told you a couple episodes ago that he looked like he was 25 years old still. And he just keeps dominating and scoring at such a high level. Had 27 on this one. So this was a great win for Virtus. They, they scored 
13 threes, which was very important. 26 assists. It looks like every game they have 20 plus assists. It's just insane the way they share the ball and the way they play basketball offensively. It's really a beautiful, beautiful thing to see. Uh, for Basconia, you're exactly right. I mean, the defensive consistency is what they need to to have going on for them, uh, and they did that the past few games. That's why they were winning so much. But against such an offensive juggernaut like Virtus, it's hard. And I think Moneke was very good. I think. Miller McIntyre was awesome, almost a triple-double. But Marcus Howard, I think they need more from him. Uh, he only had 11 points, no rebounds, no assists. I just think he needs to have a bigger impact on the game. We know how much of a good scorer he is, but he, he just needs to impact the game in a lot of different ways. He, he needs to improve his playmaking as far as facilitating for others because you can't just be a scorer. Uh, it's very hard in today's game to just be a scorer. You need to help other guys get better, and I think that's on Marcus Howard to improve and, and I really believe Basconi can take a, a whole next step and go to a whole nother level if he's able to do that. So I'm curious to see if he can. But uh, I, I think Basconi is going to be fine still. Uh, they've been playing very good basketball. It's just that Virtus is a very good team. And in a matchup that was similar for both teams, Virtus just had the, the harder hand and they shared the ball a little, be- a little bit better. So that got them the win. But it was a very close game. And he could have went either way. Virtus was just more disciplined in the second half, and they hit more shots. So a great win for Virtus on the road. But I think both these teams, if they keep playing the way they are, they're going to be very tough teams to beat. Two teams that are playing at a very impressive level, and there is no way that you like EuroLeague basketball and you don't enjoy the way that the Virtus have been playing and the way that they have been performing during this edition of the EuroLeague. They have been one of the top teams, and deservingly so. The next game is between the, the very top team of the EuroLeague, Real Madrid, that received and beated Bayern Munich 88-73. In a game where Vicente Poirier was the MVP and he is having a good season, he's performing at a very good level and helping this um, Real Madrid team and certainly having a, a point guard like Campazzo helps for, for the Bigs to be able to perform at a higher level, but he is really stepping up in relation to He's about the way that he was playing last season. We know that he had to deal with several injuries during the last season. And in this game, he had 11 points and 9 rebounds and 1 steal, ending the game with the, the highest PER between all the players in a game where, where Real Madrid was able to impose themselves in an area where Bayer tends to thrive. They outscore Bayern in second chance points 24 to 12. In this game, Bayern had a good start, but Real was able to impose themselves. What was the story of this game? It's like you said, man. It, they, the first quarter was very good for Bayern, and it's a game of runs. Like They, they had their run in the first quarter, and then Real Madrid just took over the game, and they didn't look back the rest of the game. Uh, all the way until the end, they ended up winning by 15 points. But uh, I think the biggest key here is rebounding. Obviously, Bayern is usually a very good rebounding team, but uh, against a team with Real Madrid's size, they, they clearly struggled. Ibaka wasn't able to have the impact that he usually has, he only had six points and four rebounds. And compared to the way that he was playing in the previous games, it's just such a big difference. And Bayern wasn't able to to do anything about Real Madrid. Uh, Poirier had a very good game. And then, again, man, they just have so many guys showing up and contributing. Like, Lul had 16 now. Uh, Chacho had a great game too. Like, they, they just have a lot. They can afford to have Musa only scoring four points. Uh, deck 7, Valor Tavares 8, and they still win by double digits. So it, it's just a testament to, to how good Real Madrid is. Uh, I think the really the, the the fight on the boards was a big 
big thing for, for Real Madrid here with 16 offensive rebounds. And I think that was a, a killer for Bayern Munich. Uh, as far as the three-point shooting goes, Real wasn't great, but they didn't shot many either. So they finished with 44% from three. But Bayern shot five for 20, and that can happen. Like, if you're going to go against Real Madrid, you better have a great three-point shooting night. Otherwise, you're not going to have many chances to beat them, especially on the road. And if you just make five threes, it's going to be very hard. Uh, obviously, it was a, a big game for, for Lazo to come back to Madrid and to show what he's been doing now with Bayern Munich. But it was always going to be a, a tough matchup for Bayern to win, uh, especially without some of the, their key guys with Obst and Lusic still being hurt. It, it was going to be very hard. Uh, but I think Real Madrid played a, a good game after the first quarter because in the first, obviously, they were losing. And Bayern had four threes in the first quarter. And then they, sh- they, they made one more three the rest of the game. And that can happen. Uh, but a great job by Real Madrid responding after the first quarter and securing the win because, again, win the games you're supposed to win. And they did just that. They, they stand strong in first place with a, a three-game lead over the second. So Real is totally fine. Bayern Munich, I mean, it's tough. They're six and eight, but they can be they can get in the playoffs quick. They, they just gotta be more consistent and do it throughout the forty minutes and not just one or two quarters. But again, a, a very tough matchup, so it, it's understandable. Yeah, absolutely. I feel that we nailed it with uh, this uh, Bayern team. They are a very talented team, but also a team that uh, needs to to have consistency from game to game and throughout the forty minutes of the game. And that will be the key and what they will be aiming at develop during this season and with the aspiration to, once the regular season is done, to be part of the top 10 that will be playing the play-in and the playoff playoff of this uh, edition of the EuroLeague. The next game that we will be recapping is the game between Aswell and Paratinaikos. And Paratinaikos was able to bounce back and conquer the road 81-89 to win in a game where Costas Lucas was the the game MVP and he really played at a very high level ending the game with 18 points 5 rebounds 12 assists and uh, one steal this was a important bounce back win and they covered our lean as well Slukas double double was the type of stepping up performance that uh, you wanted to see from him absolutely man uh, a very important win for Panathinaikos after losing back to back games Last week, they, they definitely needed to come back and they did a great job here. I mean, Aswell can score at a very high level and they did. They scored 80 plus, but Panathinaikos was able to respond and to score at an even higher level with 89. They they shot the ball extremely well from the three-point range, scoring 15 out of 34 threes. And they're not a great three-point shooting team, so it's pretty impressive that they did this. Then they got to the free throw line a lot, even though they missed 11 free throws. That it was still important to get Aswell players in foul trouble and to, to just try to dominate the paint with guys like Lasort and Balsarowski. And now Mitoglu and Wancho both available. Uh, I think this is a very important win for them for sure. I was very impressed with Sluka's game. Uh, he had been struggling a little bit start the season. And now that Kendrick Nunn came in. But uh, it was very good to see him have 18 and 12 and facilitating for everybody else. Because if he's able to do that at a consistent level, uh, I think this Panic next team is very, very good and very dangerous for any other contenders. So a lot of guys showed up and played very good games and Juancho coming back. Uh, I think this is going to be a very important period of time now for Panathinaikos to, to figure out how they can handle uh, the, the rotation with Juancho and Mitoglu both available. I think it's going to take some time 
uh, until we can see Juancho playing high minutes again, and especially because Mitoglu is playing at such a high level, and he's been so important for this Panathinaikos team to, to turn things around and start performing at a better level. Uh, but I think they are able to coexist. I think they can play at the same time. Uh, I believe now is going to be the time that we see Juancho playing the three a little bit more because Mitoglu, Lasort, they've been so good playing the four and fives together that uh, I really believe Juancho at the three is going to be something we see a lot. But uh, it's on him to, to perform because earlier in the season, he, he was being very, very bad. So hopefully this time off now, obviously getting healthy, but... Uh, just watching how the team is performing without him and seeing where he can fit in and where he can really help this team because these guys have an amazing roster and they have a chance to do something special this season. So a very important win for Panathinaik for sure. They Hopefully they can go on the way up again because they were training up and then they lost those two, you know, two games in a row and it's kind of tough like that. But now with this important win on the road, maybe they can start turning things around again. So uh, I'm very excited to see where this Panathinaik team goes. Panathinaikos certainly seems to be back on track as the next team that we will be looking at might have found something with so many moving pieces for Fenerbahce. This was a game of intrigue and Fenerbahce playing at home uh, where they have been performing at a very high level was able to beat Monaco 86-74. to Despite Mike James being the top scorer of this game with 24 points, the game MVP was Nigel Hayes-Davis that ended the game with 23 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists when 1 steal, having a plus-minus of plus 7 and a PR of 25. How did Fenerbahce impose themselves over Monaco in this game? Well, uh, like we predicted, uh, this is another matchup that went according to, to what we talked about in the previews. Uh, Fenerbahce is just a, a bigger, stronger team, and especially on the wings. And uh, I, it was just a tough matchup for Monaco with Fenerbahce's size and their physicality. Uh, Fenerbahce out-rebounded Monaco 47-28, so that's obviously a big difference. And Nigel Hayes-Davis, again, going to the physicality and the size on the wings, he, he went off. I mean, he led Fenerbahce. He, he did it all, scored from all three levels. He was drawing fouls, basically from being a bigger wing than Monaco's guys. Obviously, just drawing fouls, getting in the post, hustling for rebounds, shooting the three. Like, he, he did a lot. And, and I think this was a, a match made in heaven for him because of the advantages he has physically. Deshaun Pierre uh, was also another guy that I think played a very good game. But due to foul trouble, he didn't really play as much. But in the 15 minutes he was on the court, he, he did a little bit of everything. Like, he was passing, he was scoring, he was getting a lot of offensive rebounds, getting second chance opportunities for Fenerbahce. And I think he was very good as well. For Monaco, obviously Mike James, he still got his, like, just because he's a great player. Like, But I think Fenerbahce did a very good job of making it hard on him with Kaladis and with also other different guys, just showing him different bodies, forcing him to tough shots. And I think Fenerbahce being aggressive on the defensive end was the biggest key for this win. Uh, Monaco, still without Jordan Lloyd, and, and we talked about this a lot, how much he means to that team. And I think this was another example of that because Elio Kobo had a very good first half. But outside of that, they definitely could have used uh, another playmaker and another guy who can score and create at a, a very good level. Uh, Kimbo Walker, I mean, he had some moments where he was very good. Uh, he was able to hit some shots. But, I mean, physically, he, he's not there yet. I don't know if he's going to be. We know his injury is history. Uh, but then guys like Alfa Diallo, like, I really think they need Jordan Lloyd. 
because he, he kind of he's, he's like the glue guy for all of those guys and he's very important for Monaco uh, but I think Monaco will be just fine I mean this was a tough matchup of course we talked about this but and on the road too but but I think Monaco will be fine uh, this is a great win for Fenerbahce starting off the Sarunas era in a good way in a very important win against another contender so hopefully we can see Fenerbahce producing at this level or even better in the future because they certainly have the roster for that and I think this game was like a, a statement game for them because they have the ability to, to perform at this level a, a lot more times and a lot more consistently. So we'll see what happens going forward. But uh, I'm encouraged by this Fenerbahce win. Fenerbahce fans certainly have reasons to feel encouraged after this uh, performance by their team. In the next game, we had a game that we predicted to be a defensive battle, Olympiacos against Valencia. And a defensive battle it was with Valencia conquering a very important road win allowing only 56 points to Olympiacos while scoring only 63 points, but uh, I guess that was enough for them to, to conquer the win in a game where Stefan Jovic was the game MVP with 12 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists and 1 steal. Jokingly, you said that uh, this would be a defensive battle where the team that uh, scored the least should win. Olympiacos scored less points. Does it mean that they won? <laughs> uh, nah, man. Unfortunately for them, uh, it doesn't mean that they won. Uh, but this was a very, very low-scoring game. I mean, obviously, when you score six, uh, 56 points uh, in the EuroLeague level, you're not going to win a lot. So this was a, a very bad game for Olympiacos, obviously. Uh, in a game where Valencia only scored five threes and shot the ball terribly, uh, they still found a way to win. And that goes to their defense, of course. Uh, we've been complimenting their defense the whole season. And they seem to be back at it, playing at a very high level on the defensive end. They they won the rebounding battle, and obviously that was very important. Uh, Olympiacos missed seven free throws out of only 16, so they shot 56% from free throw line, and that's not going to cut it for a team that's trying to be a contender. And uh, you were right, man. Uh, Olympiacos is not as good as we think they are. Obviously, they are great defensively, but the offensive struggles seems to really be at a high level, and I don't know how they're going to be able to fix that. So it's looking tough for Olympiacos, man. Uh, obviously, we both thought this was going to be kind of a close game, but playing at home and they have more offensive arguments than Valencia does. And they they didn't have a chance to to overcome that, to overcome Valencia's defense. And they played very, very poorly. They, they shot 34% from the floor and... It just wasn't good, man. I don't really have much to say. Uh, they just need to, to get their offense uh, on point and start producing at a much higher level because this is not going to cut it. 56, uh, 56 points is is truly bad. And it's a great win for Valencia, of course, uh, on the road, uh, on a tough arena, to, to go out there against what's supposed to be a better team and, and to win in a, in a defensive game, in a grinded-out game. So this is a great job by Valencia, of course, but Olympiacos really needs to step up because it's gotten to a point now where we don't even know if they're going to make the playoffs. And assuming that they went to the final last year, it's a big disappointment, at least in my opinion. So they really need to step up and start performing at a much higher level. They were able to add some intriguing pieces to this Olympiacos roster, but they still haven't been able to find the difference-making piece that they certainly are looking for 
to be able to elevate this Olympiacos team to the performance level that we saw from them in the last edition of the EuroLeague. But to end this episode, let's end with a surprise that was Milano's road win over Barcelona without Mirotic, without Modulo. They were able to win 86-90 to in a game where Devonte Hall with 21 points, Chevron Shield with 19 points, were able to step up. But the game MVP was Nicolo Melli with 16 points, 6 rebounds and 3 assists, ending the game with a PR of 24 and a plus-minus of plus-3 and being a crucial piece for this uh, Milano victory in Barcelona. This was a surprise. What did Milano figure out during this? Yeah, man, this was certainly a surprise. Uh, but I don't know if it's due to something that Milano figured out. I, I really just think, obviously, they did a great job guarding the three-point line and Barcelona only shot seven for 18. And we know how much of a good shooting team Barcelona is. So the fact that Milan was able to hold them to seven out of 18 is pretty impressive. But uh, I just think it was an off night for Barcelona. And they still scored 86. So I don't know if we can really say it was an off night. But at least from the three-point line, it's just... It was just bad for them. So this was a great win for Milan, of course. I wasn't expecting that, obviously, and I don't think you were either. Um, Barcelona struggled for most of the game. I mean, Milan really had the lead from the jump. They had a great first score, and then they did a, a very good job managing it. And Barcelona, it was too late when they woke up. So it's just a bad loss for them. Considering all the struggles that Milano has been going through lately with Mirotic and uh, like a, a lot of injuries, uh, a lot of guys not performing the way they should. So I definitely expected Barcelona to win and I was thinking it would be in a comfortable way, but it, it was just the opposite of that. And uh, I guess Barcelona didn't take Milano seriously enough and then they had guys like Melly, Shields, Devon Hall all played at a very good level and they, they got the win on the road. So it's a very important win for Milano. It, I don't know if they're going to be able to, to stay afloat now with, with Miritich out, but this is certainly a good way to start it, uh, to get this win against Barcelona. And for Barcelona, obviously, they're going to be okay. They're one of the best teams in the competition, but I, I just think this was a very bad loss. Uh, Sadoransky wasn't able to perform at a high level. Jabari Parker didn't play, and they just shot the ball very bad from, from the three-point range, and that's usually where they win most games. So it's just a bad loss overall. This gets us to the end of this recap of round 14. Tune in tomorrow for our preview of round 15, the first hand of this doubleheader, but also for our Picks and Leans episode of the day one of round 15. On Wednesday, we will bring you our Picks and Leans for the second day of round 15. Also, at the end of the day, after the end of the games... We will have a quick recap of the round 15 and our preview of round 16 coming out. And on Thursday and Friday, our picks and leans for both days of the round 16 of the EuroLeague. To not miss all of this content regarding the EuroLeague, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, follow us on Twitter, Etos EuroLeague, and also make sure that you share the podcast with your friends so we can continue to grow and continue to bring you this podcast for free on now daily basis as always i will be talking with you guys soon bye guys see you on next episode you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.